start going to church. Sounds great, but you're already here. Some of you go, but we're already here. The emphasis isn't on start as much as it is on going. And so today I want to I preach this message. I want to come at it from another angle. I'm not trying to just build our attendance numbers. I'm trying to build people. Here at Our Savior's Church, our vision is to reach people and build lives. That's why we exist as a church. We didn't come to town because Eunice needed another church. We came to reach people who were far from God, to bring them in close to God, and then to build their lives, to take them from what they were to something that God wants them to be. So the message today is not about church attendance numbers. It's about people building. Start going to church. So I want to give you three reasons to go to church today, three good reasons to go to church, and I want to show you the importance for every one of us on why we should be consistently going to church. In today's society, the church attendance across the nation is declining. The average family goes to church once a month. That's ridiculous. The average family goes to church once a month. The Bible actually says the closer we get to the last day, the church attendance should start going up. So currently, the church as a whole is walking away from what God's word says we need to be doing. And I'm going to show you why today it's important to consistently go to church and consistently get what God has for us and be who God's called us to be. First reasons, three reasons why we should go to church. Number one, because God's presence is here. I I came to this understanding a couple of, of months ago that maybe we as a people sometimes don't understand when we're in God's presence. Maybe sometimes we don't know when God's presence is here. We don't know how to identify it. We don't understand it. So maybe we just miss it sometimes. How many of you would say, I miss it sometimes? I miss his presence sometimes. I'm reminded of the story with young Samuel when he was a kid and the Lord spoke to him for the first time. He did not recognize God's voice, so he got up and went to the prophet and said, yes, sir, what do you want? He said, I didn't call you. And then he went back to his bed and God said, Samuel. And he got up and went back to the prophet and said, yes, sir. He said, I didn't call you. And the third time he did that, the prophet said, listen, son, that's probably God speaking to you. Just go lay back down in bed and say, yes, Lord. And he did. And then what happened in that moment is he learned to recognize God's voice. As believers, we need to learn to recognize God's presence. God's presence shows up in three different ways. I broke the the big heavy Christian words down and I I made them to what I I think is pretty simple and practical. There's, There's three forms of God's presence. There's his outer presence. That means this, that God is everywhere. So don't ever forget that, that God is everywhere. We need to be aware of that and know that God is everywhere. Then there's his inner presence. And if you're born again, God is living on the inside of you. It's his inner presence. And then the third form of his presence is the manifest presence. And that's when God starts to show himself to us in a very real, tangible way. That's how, that's how this morning when we had that worship moment, and how many of you felt something? How many of you sensed something? Come on, raise your hand if you did so. I, I want to get a, a, little good, a good, accurate read on the crowd. Okay, you felt something. You know what you felt? You felt the presence of God. You sensed it. What was going on inside of you is your spirit was going, wow, we're in God's presence right now. Collectively. 
God said in Exodus chapter 25 about his people, he said, he told Moses, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. Listen to what he said. Build me a sanctuary so I can live among them. God wants to be with us. And there's a, there's a, 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 there's a spirit man inside of us saying, I need to be with God. Right? That, that fulfillment that most of us are looking for, that emptiness that's inside of us that we're trying to fill up with everything else, is really just the need to be in God's presence. I don't know if you realize that or not, but a good dose of God's presence can fill up a whole lot of things. Amen? But God said to create a place where we can meet together, where we can be together. Isn't that fascinating to you that the God of the universe wants to be in the same room with you? What's so special about you? Well, number one, he created you. And there's nobody else on the planet like you. And most people have said, thank God there's nobody else like you. But God said, no, I made this one special just for me. Just for me. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, and I'll get to verse 19 in a minute. And the two go together, and I'm going to marry them together. Verse, eight, verse 20 says this. Jesus said, for where two or three are gathered in my name... I am there in the midst of them. So two or three, some translations say two or more, are gathered together in my name. I, speaking of Jesus, is there in the midst of them. That means you can have a life group with two people, and then you've come into Jesus' name. He's going to be with you. That's how in the Old Testament when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fire and the king looked into the fire, he didn't see three. Who did he see? He saw four. Why? Because Jesus was in the midst of them. You see it? Where two or three are gathered together in my name. Now he uses this phrase, my name. What does that mean? Does that mean we can all go to McDonald's, run into each other and go, hey, we're here in my name. Jesus. No. There's a, there's a little deeper understanding to the phrase, my name. In the Greek, it's the word onama. And the word literally means this, Jesus' authority and Jesus' character. So, so let me put it together that way. If two or more people gather together with Jesus' authority and Jesus' character, Jesus shows up on the scene, and now it, was, it started with two, but now it's three. Come on, somebody. How many of you like it when Jesus shows up? <laughs> Moses understood how valuable God's presence is. He had a moment where God, they were getting ready. God was sending them into a land and God was upset with the nation of Israel. And God said to them, he said, you're going to go into this land. I'll send some angels with you, but I'm not going because I feel like wiping y'all out right now. Come on. Sound like you told your kids something, right? <laughs> you better go outside before I send you to Jesus. <laughs> but God told Moses, I'm going to send the angels with you, but I'm not going. Moses dug his heels in the sand and said, Lord, if you don't go, please don't send us without you. And he began to make a declaration before God. Listen to what he said. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate. 
your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. What was he saying? God, don't send us without you. Like, if you're not going, we're not going. Like, and why? Why was he saying it? It's because he understood that it was God's presence that set him apart from everybody else. If they go without God, they look like everybody else, think like everybody else, act like everybody else. If they go with his presence, now all of a sudden they're set apart. You see it? He said, how's anybody going to know that we're the nation of Israel, that we're actually your people, unless you come with us? Today, more than ever, Christians in this fallen world need to carry with them the presence of God. The manifest presence of God. That's when you walk into a room and the environment changes. It changes. You don't change. The environment changes. Because you're packing. And you don't need a concealed carry license. You're packing, baby. It's meant to be out in the open. Open carry. Come on, somebody. Phew, that was good. <laughs> Straight off the press. I had, a, I had a guy tell a story one time. He said he went to a Lions Club meeting. Anybody ever go to a Lions Club meeting? Wow, nobody. <laughs> one. <laughs> He went to a Lions Club meeting, and I, I don't know what they do at a Lions Club meeting, but he went to a Lions Club meeting, and he said he was walking in, and, and he said he gets to the door, and there's two guys at the door, and, and they've got a, a bulletin in their hand, and he's like, that's strange. So they give him a bulletin. It's like an outline of what's going on today. And, <laughs> and he gets to his seat, and the guy walks up to the piano, starts playing the hymns, and they start singing. They pull out hymns, and they start singing hymns. He's like, boy, this sure sounds like, looks like, feels like church. Then all of a sudden, a guy stands up and he starts to preach, like from the Bible. He preached from the Bible. And then at the end of his message, he gave an invitation. And people went forward and they got saved. And he was like, and this is church. He was a preacher. He's like, this is church. This is like exactly what we do on Sunday. These people copied off of us. And he said, I remember asking God, God, what's up with this? Man, this is just like church. And he said he heard the voice of the Holy Spirit tell him, son, that ain't church. That's a Lions Club meeting. It ain't church until the Lion of Judah shows up. Right. And when the Lion of Judah shows up, then we're going to have some church. Right. Amen? So you can have a gathering, but it may not be church until the Lion himself shows up. Right? God's presence. We all need God's presence. His presence here now some of you may be thinking well wouldn't God show up if it's just me yeah God will show up and meet you at your quiet time but I find it very interesting why he chose to why Jesus chose to say two or more I'll be in the midst of them there's something about the assembling of ourselves number two second good reason to come to church consistently is God's power here's verse 19 of Matthew 18 Again, I say, Jesus speaking, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Verse 20. For where two or three are gathered in my authority and my character, I am there in the midst of them. So when his presence comes, so comes his power. And he says, if two or more of you will agree on anything, say anything. Look at your neighbor, say anything. Act like you believe what you're saying, anything. 
a little gangster in it. Anything. Anything. You agree on anything. My heavenly Father will do it. Because when two or more come together with my authority and my character, anything can happen. You know what happens when God shows up? Look at me. Anything. Anything. It's vital for every one of us to be planted in a church. Every one of us needs to be planted in a church. We get people in here pretty regularly, and I'll greet them, and they'll say, hey. i say, I'm Pastor Jamie. How you doing? I say, hey, uh, Pastor, we're just, we're just looking, just looking for a church, just kind of, you know, cruising the, the, the strip looking for a church. I'm like, good, man. It's good. You need to look. But, but more importantly, you need to pray. And you need to ask God where he wants you to plant yourself. And, and here's the secret. If God tells you to plant in that church on the other side of town, that's a good church. Plant yourself there. He may not tell you to plant yourself here. That's fine. But wherever he tells you to plant, plant. Because if you keep pulling the tree up and moving it over here, it never grows because every time you pull it out of one church and you plant it in another church, it stops growing for some reason. So we got too many transplanted Christians, too many Christians that get easily offended. I'm going to the other church. Like, they ain't going to offend you. Like, come on. You know what's wrong with the church? People. People's wrong with the church. But they want to keep planting and planting and planting. And then they wonder why they never produce fruit. Number one, no, want to know why they never grow. It's because they're not planted. The Lord told Cheryl and I over 20 years ago to plant ourselves in this church, and we did. We made a commitment to God, not to people. We made a commitment to God. We're going to plant wherever you tell us to plant. And we promise you, Lord, we're going to do the best we can to not move until you tell us to move. Now, I, I could give you a, a shipload of excuses and reasons on why we wanted to leave. I, I could give you a busload of, 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 of times we were hurt times our feelings got hurt, times somebody said something, times somebody overlooked us, times we didn't get credit when we thought we should have got credit. I could give you a bunch of reasons why we almost left, but it ain't but by the Holy Spirit that we stayed. Amen? Because we're planted. We're planted. David said this, he said, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Listen to this verse. They shall bear fruit in old age. Come on, somebody. It's a young church. We better watch out. <laughs> but we all going to get old one day. That means that when we get old, we're going to still produce fruit. 80 years old, 90 years old, 100 years old, still producing fruit, still giving life to people around us. As long as we got breath, we got something to say. Amen? But that's for those who plant themselves in the house. Then he says this, they shall be fresh. Now, I had to clear this up for the first service because some of us understand fresh differently than what he's saying right here. 
You younger, younger people don't understand what fresh meant back in the day. Fresh was a perverted thing back in the day. In the Bible, it's a good thing. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Stick to the message. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. What do you get when you plant yourself in God's house? You get fruit into your old age. You stay fresh. You know what that means? That means the same old roller coaster you've been going around your whole life that you're sick and tired of, you finally get to get off. And you get to do something fresh. You get to have a new experience. Do you know you can live life without drama? It's a good life. Then he says you'll flourish. That means you're going to thrive, that God's going to be moving in your life. Christianity was never meant to be boring. If Christianity is boring, it's because you checked out. It's not because it all of a sudden became boring. It's important to plant ourselves in a church. I've been here long enough to know that sometimes people can be like butterflies. We get people that come and they go, man, I love this pastor. Whoa! Love this church! This the church! And I go, four weeks, you out. <laughs> and they're like butterflies. They just kind of go wherever they feel like going. They're pretty. They wear T-shirts. They can speak Christianese, but they're just flying around. They're just flying around, never landing anywheres, never, never planning anywheres. And then you get some people in here, and they're like bullfrogs. They're like bullfrogs. Thank you. I'll use that in just a minute. Hold that. He does a better bullfrog than I do. They're like bullfrogs. They'll, they'll come to church, and they'll, they'll stay consistent. But you see, the problem with our church is, is we're highly relational. We like people. We're <laughs> one of those churches, those creepy churches that like people. I mean, come on. We want to connect with people. And so they're like bullfrogs. They come in and they perch themselves in their seat and they sit in the same seat every Sunday. Just a warning. Next week, everybody's moving, I promise you. And, then the, and so we as a church, I mean, we got the love of God inside of us. The, Jesus gave us the commandment to love God and to love people, so we want to love people. So we get close to the bullfrog people. And all of a sudden, when you get too close, they go, and they jump off. Right? And they jump off and they leave. We go, why'd they leave? Because you got too close. Well, what's wrong with getting close? They don't want you there. You know, some people won't join a life group because they don't want nobody else to know who they really are. But here's the truth. Until you pull the facade back and get real with yourself, you'll never get real with the people around you and you'll never get real with God. You're fooling nobody but yourself. Amen? Amen? Try to make it feel good. So number one, God's presence is here. Number two, God's power is here. Number three, coolest one of all, God's people. God's people are here. And some of you are going, God's people. I don't even like people. I'm like, ugh. Why God's people? Well, maybe you don't realize what it means to be God's people. Because you see, I believe some of us, a lot of the times, we discount who we really are in Christ. Like once you've given your life to Jesus, you discount who you are now. 
Can I, just, can I just remind you of what happened when you were born again? You see, before you were born again, your spirit man was dead. Your soul was running the show. One day you ran into Jesus and you said, I need to surrender my life to him. So you, you admitted that you're a sinner. You believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And then you confessed that he's the Lord of your life. And then all of a sudden, the spirit inside of you comes alive. So now you've just crossed over from spiritual death into spiritual life because Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. He died to make spiritually dead people alive. So number one, you're alive. Then all of a sudden you receive mercy and grace and forgiveness and cleansing. That means you're not a stinky old kuyo no more. You've been washed by the blood of the Lamb and you're alive. Your past is gone. It's broken off of you. Then the power of sin, the thing that ran your life for so long, is broken. Because that's what Jesus did. And then sometimes we just discount what he's done for us and who we are. He did all of that to save us, to put our name in the book. But it didn't stop there. When you got your name in the book, now he gives you a charge to go into his world and represent him and take it from the kingdom of darkness and bring people into the kingdom of light. So now we got a charge, which means this, I'm his ambassador. I went from a, from a, a, Oh, what's them things? Them, uh, them, them, them pants you wear that they got the top and the things. Overall, you went from overall. So, uh, I forgot the whole thing. <laughs> You're in a suit now. You're a representative. It drives, somebody's driving you. Anyway. It happens sometimes. We need to know who we are. You need to understand what God's done for you. He paid a high price for you. Not to waste your life, but to use your brief moment on this planet to populate heaven and to overcome darkness. Amen? That's who you are. If you don't take you serious, the devil ain't going to take you serious. Peter talking about God's people says, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. He was reciting something that God said back in Hosea, when God said this about his people. He says, then I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people, and I am your God. And they will say to me in return, you are my God. Do you see what God's done for us? He says to every one of us, you are my people. You know what that means? I take your life very seriously. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to go with you. He's going to fill you up and you can overcome anything that ever gets in your way. If a mountain pops up, I'll give you the strength to tell it to move and it's going to move. You're my people. When are we going to turn around and say you're my God? I'm going to trust you in every situation. I'm going to know that you're going to be there with me. I'm going to walk in confidence that your Holy Spirit has filled me and I can overcome anything. You're my God. Jesus told us to love God and love people. What he was saying, part of what he was saying is that we need to be in a relationship with God and we need to be in relationships with other people. It's important 
Listen to what Paul said about the, the, the church and the assembling of the church. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for what? Edification. You know what he's saying? Paul is saying that sometimes God's going to give somebody else what you need. And the only way you're going to get it is when you get next to them. That means when we come together, somebody's got a psalm, a song. Thank you, worship team. Somebody's got a teaching. You're welcome. Somebody's got a tongue. Somebody's got an interpretation. Why? To build each other up. What you need is found in God's people. God doesn't always give it to you. He gives it to the person that you're supposed to connect with. That's why it's important to be connected. To be in a life group. I want to show you, as I wrap this message up, the difference between a gathering and an assembly. A gathering is like this. It's when you invite some friends over and your buddy comes in. You say, bro, I got a new truck. He goes, for real? Yeah, bro, I got a nice truck. Come on, man. Can I see it? Oh, yeah, it's in the garage. And you go to the garage and you open the door and he looks in the garage and he sees all the wheels, the engine and the transmission in one corner. Sees the body parts in another corner. The interior is over here. All the electrical stuff's here. And he goes, bro, you smoking something? (laughs) No, no, dude, that's my truck. Well, I get that it could be a truck, but that it's, he's like, dude, it's all here. It's my truck. It's gathered together. It's here. But bro, it's not a truck. Like take me to McDonald's in it right now. Can't do it. It's useless, right? It's all there. It's gathered together. But it doesn't have much purpose and much use. Right? An assembly, which is totally different, is when you take a pile of bricks and you begin to take one brick that has a certain strength, value, and beauty, and you connect it to another brick that has strength, value, and beauty, and then you connect more bricks and you keep stacking these bricks on top of each other and you create something that is not only strong, but it's valuable, more valuable than it was apart or just gathered together. It's more valuable because it's been assembled together and then it creates something beautiful. You see, God doesn't want you to just come to church, like, like to come, like, like some, some people come to church with God. Some people come to church to try to get God. Like, I got to go, and y'all say it, you know you said, I got to go get my Jesus today. Well, hold up. Won't you bring Jesus with you, and we all come in here with Jesus, and have a big Jesus party. But hey, if you ain't got Jesus with you, you can still come. We'll share. You can have some of my Jesus. Right? God wants us to assemble What does that mean? It means he wants us to connect. That means if your inner bullfrog wants you to jump away, just sit. If you feel like flapping your wings and flying off because you're a little nervous, just stay. Just stay and connect. Because when you connect, not only do you become more valuable, not only do you become more beautiful, not only do you become stronger, but the whole unit does. The whole congregation does. You see it? It's not just to come to check a box, say, went to church this week. 
is to connect. That's why we have life groups in semesters. Spring, summer, and fall. Why? Because we want to give you an opportunity to connect with people. That's why we have dream team that serves every Sunday and during outreaches. Why? Because when you start to do things together, you connect better. God is assembling something here. Do you want to be a solo brick or do you want to be a brick amongst other bricks? If you're a solo brick, you might get thrown. Last verse. Hebrews chapter 10. Good verse. Verse 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up. Now everybody got a little something in them that can stir up. Come on, don't get all holy on me all of a sudden. Everybody got a little stir up in them. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all stir some stuff up. The holidays are here. Y'all know what y'all doing. But listen to what he says. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us think about the next person. Let us consider the next person. See how I can stir up some love and some good works in their life. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. That means the closer we get to eternity, the more often we need to assemble together. I'm going to get up in your grits for a minute. Some of us in this room right now need to plan in our calendars for 2020 that 52 Sundays out the year, we're going to be in church. And then plan everything else around that. And see if God doesn't change your life. See if he doesn't change your marriage. See if he doesn't change you personally. Too many people put God on the schedule, but he's movable. He's in pencil. Like they can erase him out. Like, ah, we ain't got time for church today. The average American goes to church one time a month. And we wonder why the church has been rendered powerless. What happens to a person, one person, who makes a commitment to be in God's house every Sunday? And whatever pops up, little Timmy's t-ball game, Susie's dance recital, it doesn't matter, whatever it is, that we go, you know what, that's going to have to move because we got a commitment here. Oh, I know, I just stepped on a bunch of your toes because Susie's dance recital is like the most important thing in her life because, you know, she might be in Hollywood one day. And little Timmy, he can't even hit the ball off the tee right now, but he's going to be in the major leagues one day, and I just cannot ruin that for them. I don't want them to be crazy people when they grow up because I kept them from going to their dance recital, and I kept them from doing this and that. What happens if we make a commitment to be in God's house? I guarantee you this much. If you'll commit to be in God's house most Sundays, I'll give, I'm, I'm already slipping for you, most Sundays, if you'll just commit to being in, in church more than one Sunday a month, I wonder what's going to happen to your kids when they leave your house one day. I wonder if you're not planning a pattern in their life that they're going to miss one day if they quit doing it. Why? Because God's presence is here. God's power 
is here. And God's people are here. You want victory? Shake your head if you want victory. Stop believing the lies. Stay in God's word. And keep going.